Hey everyone, it's Greg, and I'm going to impart a little bit of news before we dive into this episode, as I usually do. Uh, You may hear the noises of children playing in the background, which seems quite fitting, because hey, summer vacation, and also this episode features kids, so look forward to that. Any rate, uh, yeah, news. Uh, You may notice that we're going to have a little bit of downtime as of recording. This recording comes at you folks for, um, what are we, July 31st? And we got a little bit of site maintenance going on until, uh, well, tomorrow being August 1st. So if you're listening to this, like, hot off the presses, uh, yeah, look forward to some new changes coming to the site. Uh, And for those of you listening to this episode much later, enjoy those new changes. Yeah, that's the best I got. Tina Ola has hit us with a new crowdfunding chronicles focusing on Arcadia Fallen, which has already been funded, but it's a really rad-looking roleplay visual novel that's, uh, yeah, kind of steeped in... The Scandinavian lore, which, uh, as I've mentioned in past episodes, uh, is a hit for me. I really, really do enjoy it, so this is pretty cool. You can, yeah, go through this whole neat kind of Scandinavian world and flirt with wizards and practice your alchemy, and uh, it looks really great. It's got a, a really cool style about it. Like, this art style is crisp, so yeah, check that one out. Uh, just after the last episode went live, Joe Chow put up his review of Operentia the Stolen Sun, which is a really lovely looking traditional RPG that's yeah, got a lot of nice style to it, and um, just seems to be overall a really solid dungeon crawl if you're into it with uh, a lot of fun and replay value, according to Joe. So go check out his thoughts on that and see what Zen Studios has to offer us. Alternatively, falling less favorably is Bob Richardson's review of Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2, which doesn't quite follow as well in its predecessor's footsteps. Yeah, just kind of falls flat. Like all the. <laughs> I mean, he puts in his. Pros, all it's really got going for it is the retro feel, and otherwise it's just a clunky, rough experience otherwise. So give it a look. It might be for you. I mean, like he says, there's some diehard fans that this could be a hit for, but uh, maybe that's not you. It certainly isn't me, but I do like the vibe of it. It looks pretty cool. Uh, Nathan Lee took a chance with a really, what I thought was a promising looking title, Ark of Alchemist, but he did not come off it very well. Uh, It did not do well in Nathan's eyes. Uh, maybe it might be for other people, but just aesthetically, gameplay-wise, it seems like a really flat experience. And uh, all it really has going for it is its base building. But check out his review. I don't know. Um, I, I think that I like the look of it myself, but it, the gameplay really doesn't sound like it's going to grab me. So, anyways, check out that review. And then finally, we have Neil Chandran's preview of Monster Crown, which is, uh, it looks like a really cool, darker twist on the whole Pokemon kind of vibe. It, it seems to shake up the formula in a nice way and hit you with a, a nicer, grim, dark story, which may or may not be for everybody. And then with all those game reviews done, we have a music review that comes to us from Mike Salbato, our fearless leader who's been working so hard on this new kind of site move over, well, along with uh, a few select others on the team. Um, he reviewed for us Parallelus, which is just uh, a fantastic reimagination of uh, Chrono Cross's music. There's so much of these mixes out there, I won't lie, but just this music sounds lovely. Uh, so if you haven't had enough of Chrono music, then here is yet another album for you with uh, some beautiful tracks on it to, to take your time and get into. And it also has a vinyl. Uh, that looks slick, so, you know, check that out. Anyways, uh, there are babies crying outside, so it's probably time to move this episode along and uh, get us into 194 of Random Encounter.
Hello, listeners. It is bright and early, at least where I am. Uh, well, not even that early anymore. We started earlier, but, you know, getting stuff together. Um, today, we are recording uh, with a bunch of great guests. So, as usual, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, John O'Logan. Hello, everyone. And we have returned to the podcast once again, John Tucker Tucker. Hey, everybody. Yep. Also, it's been a while since you've heard him, but Peter Treisenberg's here, too. Hello, everybody. It is not bright and early where I am. It's dark and rainy. Oh, no. That's less than ideal, I suppose. Uh, And you keep hearing your chime in, but uh, we are joined by our special guest, Kid Correspondent, Gwen. Or girls, whoever is listening to this. Ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen? Gentlemen. That's what I should say. (laughs) Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we got Gwen here, because uh, we're going to talk about a couple games that she's played. Uh, uh, first and foremost, the expansion for... Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield! Yeah, that uh, came out for, uh, or not, how long ago was that now? A couple months now. It's been out, and Peter Treisenberg uh, was playing it. I think Alana was our reviewer on it. We had a few people into it. So, yeah, we wanted to get Gwen on to get her point of view on that. And chit-chat about uh, how great Cub Fu is and such. So, um, Peter, yeah, I guess we'll get you to kind of take it away, and we'll go from there. Okay, yeah. Um, What's it bringing? Yeah, the, the Isle of Armor was a really, really fun DLC uh, to start off the, the Pokemon Sword and, Sword and Shield uh, uh, expansion pass. Um, I know a lot of people were looking forward to this one, and I, think, I, don't think, I think it did not disappoint. Yeah, same. I really liked it. Like, they kind of brought back the more, like, Gary-like rivals with Avery and Clara. Yeah, yeah, they were both really fun. Um, which which one are you playing, Gwen? Oh, I played Sword, so Clara was my rival. And my Zacian easily got all of her Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Due to m- leveling up my Zacian to level 100 EXP candies, which are overpowered, I and I like them, that they run them in Sword and Shield. Yeah, they make it a lot easier to lo- yeah. make your team super strong, yeah. <laughs> playing on Shield, Peter? I'm actually playing on Sword, too, so I also <laughs> have oh, Clara. Okay. And I-, I like her a lot. She's super funny. <laughs> yeah. And, like, my Cinderace also pyroballed a lot, and it easily defeated her, too, (laughs) due to it also being level 100. Yeah, I actually, um, I tried to restart, um, to make a brand new team from scratch because I wanted to make it a little harder for myself. So I wound up catching a whole bunch of Pokemon on the island and, um, and raising them from, uh, from there. So that was, that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still looking for my Zeraura, I think that's what it's called, but it's like that fox Pokemon, which is like a dark type, and I really like how it looks, and I just really want it. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I once came in contact with it, but I misclicked with my Haxorus and what had KO'd it with my Haxorus. Oh, no, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. Yeah. They still don't want one. Happens to the best of us. We always have, like, a capture Pokemon we need around, and it doesn't always work out. It's heartbreaking, Um, but it has to happen. Well, exactly. And then you gotta go on the hunt again, I guess, which is half of the thrill. What's, um, I guess, which Pokemon were you two most excited about to see, like, added to the Isle of Armor, to the game? (laughs) I know. So I was 
really excited for Azura and all the Lycanroc forms and Rock Rough. I also right. I was also very excited for uh, the Lycanrocs. I I was able to to get find a a Dusk form one. What Dusk form? Yeah, yeah, I found it in a raid battle, so now he's on my team. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah, because Gwen, you started, I guess, your first Pokemon that you really played by yourself, and you actually just beat it while we were on vacation, was uh, Pokemon Moon. Oh, yeah. But I'm still at the post-game, just trying to get all the tapus. Right. But yeah, you're most familiar with a lot of those ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the Lycanroc, the Lycanroc ones are really fun. Um, I was really excited to see um, uh, Cubfu, the new Pokemon. We'll be talking about him, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, like how does Cubfoon shape up and which forms did you take? Oh, I took the dark type form because like a fighting dark is like a cool combination. And then I remember that there's a lot of other fighting darks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also went the fighting darker out, so we're on the we're on the same page with this one it seems. Yeah. Now, what does um, Cubfu bring to the table that's, I guess, maybe possibly different from other fighting dark types? Well, when it's a fighting dark type, it's a Urshifu, and it's a single strike form, and it has one nice, good, strong move, which is the, its signature move. And also, it has a Gigantamax form, which I don't have yet, because I just need to find one more Max Mushroom. <laughs> I just can't find it. Hop, help me! Hunting for the mushrooms is really annoying. You have to, like, yeah. keep doing raids until they spawn. And that's for, like, the max super, whatever it's called? Yeah. Yeah, you need three of them to make um one b- bowl of max soup. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, hunting for those can be a little frustrating when you're trying to find them. Um, uh, Urshifu also has a, uh, a rapid, what is it, rapid strike? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's rapid strike form, which is the water fighting type. Yep, I did not. And what you what you can only pick one once you go into uh, the tower. Uh, for one, the other is locked off for you, so you got to choose wisely. Yeah, but my dad also played it, and he actually chose the rapid strike. And there's actually a side duck in it, so he so and on the first level, so he got like one hit KO. By a confusion from that side. Oh no! <laughs> oh, frustrating. <laughs> well, that's pretty rough. Although I, I'm so Psyduck's finally back. Yeah, they brought back Psyduck. Yes. Now, all those extra Pokemon, can you only have them on the Iron or the Isle of Armor, rather, or can you bring them back over to your Sword and Shield once it's the DLC's there? Yeah, they're they're added to the roster permanently. Um, you can. Oh, good. Yeah. Because I know there's certain features that only exist on Isle of Armor. Oh, yeah, like, where Pokemon actually follow you again! Woo! Like, it's so cool that Pokemon follow you. Right now I have my Glaceon following me, because Glaceon is adorable and it's my favorite evolution. <laughs> oh, good choice. What do you have following you around, Peter? Um, I actually have a, a, a green Espeon. Espeon, what? Yep, I have a shiny Espeon. I'll will send a I'll send a picture to the group chat. Nice. Yeah, we need to figure out how to get some of your Pokemon from Sun and Moon over to this because she has a shiny Glaceon that someone traded her, so that'd be fun yeah. to have. From Moon because I don't have Sun. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Yes. 
But I also have like a Sogaleo that will probably destroy everyone. <laughs> Are they uh, allowed in now that they add those legendaries to the roster? Not yet. Um, they will in the um, the Crown Tundra, which is out this winter. Right. No, I thought it was coming out this fall. F- oh, it might be in the fall. Yeah, later this year. Either way. And there's an Absol might get delayed. in there, and I love Absol. <laughs> Absol is super cool. Yeah. For um, going back to Cubfu and Urshifu, do you get Cubfu like right at the start of the DLC, or does it take uh, a bit into the story of the DLC uh, to get it, it? Like, what what brings you, I guess, to the Isle of Armor? Okay, so you start by going there with like the arm, like a armor armor pass, and basically on the train station. So basically, you start by going on the train to like a Corviknight stop, which I'm still confused why this awesome armored bird is a taxi. <laughs> and then <laughs> they're very hardy, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you like to work. It's like yeah. dogs, right? Yeah. Dogs are very happy when they're working. And then it flies you over to the Isle of Armor, which you start, and then like you immediately see this lady. It's like, oh, complete this Pokedex for me. And, like, it includes all the Galar Pokedex and the Isle of Armor Pokedex. Classic Pokemon move. And then, like, you, Clara just comes and just like, oh, oh, wait, is that you? And it's just like, like, she just doesn't really want, she just, like, says hi to you. And then she goes like, okay, I'm just going to battle you. So she battles you and you destroy her off your team because your teams are like, you could have leveled up to level 70 and her team is only level 60. You destroy her and she's just like, okay, you can go explore, but just don't go to the dojo. So you can explore on the ocean where there's a huge whale lord, which is really cool to see a big whale lord in the overworld. And Sharpedos chase you. <laughs> and then if you go to the dojo, like Honey, which is apparently Mustard's wife. I'm pretty sure if I read that right. Yeah, Honey honey Mustard. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Oh, I did not <laughs> notice that. Honey Mustard. Oh, wow. The pun game is strong. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, are you the new student? And then you do, I, like, then I'm pretty sure you say yes. It's like, it's been a long time since I started this because. Yeah, you wind up, you basically kind of wind up corralled in as the new student to the dojo. Um, um, and then you have to do a you have to do a couple little side quests involving some fast slowpoke. Oh yeah, the fast slowpoke stole Clara's uniform. <laughs> so basically, like first things first, when you get into dojo, everyone kind of introduces themselves, and then you beat mustard. Even though he wasn't going easy on you, everyone's like, "Oh my god, you beat mustard!" And then. <laughs> Mustard gives you the uniform, and Clara's like, hey, why don't I get a uniform? So Mustard, like, about to give Clara the uniform, the slowpoke just jump over, and then you get to see them, and it's like... <laughs> and and then like, you also get to have yeah. your um, evolved slowpoke now, too, right? With the new yeah, slowbro. Yeah, the new slowbro. Apparently you need to have eight twigs, or... But, like I was saying, like, and then they go off, and then Mustard's like, oh, I forgot, did, did I release a slow, fast slowpoke too early? So everyone needs to go get the slowpoke, which have Clara 
cars, uniforms, and then you just cheat with a bike. <laughs> and everyone's just running my bike. Yeah, you've got the advantage over everyone else and that nobody else thought to bring a bike. <laughs> yeah. God, ah, I'm a bike, fools! <laughs> yeah. The one time you don't listen to Professor Oak. <laughs> it's, it's, it is always the time for this, old man. Right? Now... Which is funny, I saw some videos actually though of people who use the slow poke as their companion Pokemon, and it moves in slow motion pretty much. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's very, it, it's it very much so. It's a Wait, nice what touch. happens if a Snom is their companion Pokemon? Because once I had a Snom in, in like my camp, and then it took a bunch of minutes to, for it to actually get to me so I can pet it, so... How Probably fast... the same with slow poke. Yeah, so like... It's a funny gag. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of my... Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you can... You, sorry, you can say. Oh, I was going to say, one of my favorite uh, YouTube guys did... Um, he, he had his Draco Vish, the uh, fossil Pokemon, as his companion. And right. it um it kept um, getting stuck behind stuff, and then it would vanish <laughs> and teleport behind him. And he's just like, ah! <laughs> it would scare him every time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So the Watson of Pokemon. <laughs> now... Yeah. So then, as I guess, if the the slow poker guess or a slower Pokemon gets too far away, it would just zip towards you with a with the teleport kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I did, oh, okay. did something similar in Let's Go, where if it got stuck on something, it would go back in its ball and zip over to you. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's the same. Let's go. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty cool. And then you get through the whole story. Not that we're gonna spoil that for anybody, but um, was did like Isle of Arm bring some interesting story points? What are your What are your opinions on that? Well, mostly just kind of like for you, kind of growing and like just trying to complete the dojo. Like you get through these three trials, and then you get Kubfu, which they say is the secret armor. I see. But is it like? Did you find the story was good, or is it just kind of more of the same? I liked it. You liked it. What about you, Peter? I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you get a little bit of a. Uh detail on mustard was like a former champion and uh yeah. champion leon uh trained at the isle of armor but never finished the trials oh, right, yeah, because he's that. bad with directions and he got lost <laughs> right that gag i'm pants with direction he actually says that it, it's a bit weird that nobody acknowledges that you're the champion um yeah, they're just like, oh, there's just random kid, and then like you're just like, excuse me, I'm the champion, I'm gonna beat all of you. Yeah, it's like, do you guys, do you guys not have cable? Do you not like this is a big thing in Galar? <laughs> yeah, did you not go to Rose Stadium? Did you not know anything about the Darkest Day? Yeah, I, I saved, I saved the world and beat your champion on live television. <laughs> And also, I got the legendary Pokemon. Listen to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Clara's just like, oh, you're a kid. Let's just battle. I'm probably going to beat you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, 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 honey. Oh, honey, no. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a weird thing for them to overlook because it'd be interesting, or not interesting, but it just, it would make sense for them to have um, just like a trigger for the event as to whether you went to the DLC before or after you became champion. Yeah, and I'm guessing I I'm guessing they want to um they they probably were working on this before the game was before the game was actually finished, I'm guessing, cuz it's pretty full featured, like it's a very um well-designed environment. 
Uh, it's very interconnected and there's all these like little caves and forests you can explore and so maybe they were intending this you to like visit earlier like if you buy the game now and you get the expansion pass then you can go to the Isle of Armor whenever you want but maybe yeah do you feel that possibly this was something or features like it this goes into the bigger discussion of DLC and was it intended for the original release or not kind of thing like the idea of having a companion Pokemon follow you and such like that uh, where do you think these are features that were pulled out and then thrown into the dlc it could be um i, I can't really say with any certainty i no. think that the design of the of the of the isle of armor makes it feel like they just had a little more time to polish it up because mm. i mean i liked the wild area in in sword and shield but it is a little kind of wide and barren at points whereas this this feels a lot more like um you know, more realistic, more, it's more fun to explore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it could be that they were working on this, like, and just didn't have time to finish it, and we're like, okay, well, we'll we'll release it later, um, instead of doing the whole second version thing or whatever. Right, which is good, and this could be, like, you feel this could be a better sign of things to come with future Switch installments, because that's one thing we've talked about on the podcast and people have discussed before, that Sword and Shield is okay, as a Pokemon game, it didn't really break a lot of bounds, but it has established a good foundation. So does Isle of Armor and then possibly Crown Tundra, will that build on it to make uh, a better Pokemon game the next installment? Yeah, they could very well. Um, it reminds me a lot of X and Y, um, honestly. I'm um, in that X and Y when it came out was more of a proof of concept. Like, here's Pokemon on the 3DS. It's yeah. a Pokemon game. It's good. It's not great. But um, the, then the next one, Sun and Moon, was like, this is great. I love this. Yeah, I really like it, too. Mm-hmm, yeah, Moon was one of my favorites. So, yeah. So, Sword... Or, sorry, not Sword Coast. Um, and that's D&D. Um, <laughs> Isle of Armor and Crown Tundra might be that like bridge to show fans that the next installment will be yeah pushing those boundaries a bit more and a bit more, I guess, full-featured or new-featured a pokemon game yeah when they do um gen 9 or gen 4 remakes please please yeah i really want a gen 4 remix because like i want to see my i want to see some palkia garantina and dialga and some arceus yeah that'd be so cool i i i, I love those that would be really really fun <laughs> and i do not want like I do not want them to never do it because I don't want them to go like, okay, let's go Cyndaquil and let's go Shikorita. And I'm just like, why did you have to my Gen 4 Remix? <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of weird weird for them to do that. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I know, Jono, we've talked a bit about Pokemon. You haven't gotten into Sword and Shield, the latest ones. Like, as, Is the DLC something that's attracting you to maybe getting into it now or... No, but this conversation is. Um, <laughs> As per usual, we have passionate people who make people want to buy games. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of that's sort of our mo. Um, as our fan mail attests. Um, no, actually, again, I've not. I I like Pokemon, but I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan in the world. For example, I haven't really played a game since I think Blue, what? which was a few. Yeah, it was a few years ago, Gwen. Just a, Just few. a few. Yeah. Um, Long time however. Ago. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, having a Switch is, it makes playing games so much more accessible uh, across the board. Like, I, I prefer to play on the screen. I prefer to play on uh, big screen. I just like consoles. 
handhelds are great, but I prefer consoles. But the fact now that there's a flexibility to move back and forth between consoles and and handheld, which is the traditional uh, place where Pokemon games, you know, belong, I think gives this game a even more appeal than usual. And I think that they will be building on that, as you were saying, in the next uh, in the next uh, title, because there's a lot of there's a, I mean, you could really put almost a different experience on handheld and on, you know, a console. And if you were to kind of, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. If you were to offer a slightly different experience on both, even though it's technically the same game, you could really start playing with uh, the idea of trading and things like that. You should be out and about, you'd be interacting with people, and then you could just take them all back home. Yeah, which it kind of does with the Switch. I mean, you have Nintendo Online, which can let you trade and stuff online. But for example, like we have Nintendo Online, um, Gwen's dad got it for her, so she's able to play with me if she's at her dad's and stuff like that. But some of her close friends who have Switches, their parents haven't footed the bill for that. So she doesn't have that option, but at least with the Switch being able to switch out and go on the go, she could go to their house and they can connect over local area network just by proximity, um, a lot of the old 3DS and stuff used to do, and they can still trade that way. So there is a bit of that functionality, but it would be neat if there was like, yeah, specific modes or something like that, that yeah, it came up while you were in handheld or something. Yeah. Well, talking about the features and the drawbacks of Nintendo Online could take up an entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Animal Crossing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like Nintendo Online because I am absolutely obsessed with Tetris 99. But um, yeah. But I think that the system could be a little bit more developed uh, in line with, shall we say, other video game companies who have pioneered the online space a little bit more than Nintendo has. Is clunky. Is a little clunky. Yeah, I can I can acknowledge that. I mean, I'm, we have a we have a group. Uh, a Nintendo Switch online account for RPG fans. So, because you can have up to eight people on a family plan, so it's only like five bucks, five bucks a year for all of us, yeah. which which is fun. It works out really well. But um, yeah, it's something where it's like I don't know if I would want to pay thirty thirty five dollars for this every year. Well, yeah, like I even tried trading with uh, Joe Padilla one day when um, I was looking for something specific, and they were just like, "Oh, I have this Pokemon. We'll trade." And I trade them a Shedinja for it, which they were like, "Oh, cool! I love Shedinjas," and so that all worked out. But it was such a pain for us to connect, even though I had a code and they had a code. Like we kept kind of going back and forth, and just wouldn't find each other. And it's just even with that, it's so hard to just find each other and play with each other. Um, I don't know if I've done... I haven't done any raids with anybody yet, but I know, Peter, you did a few raids with some people on RPG Fam. Was it easy enough to connect? Has it gotten better? It's it's finicky. I mean, you it can you can get it to work, um, but um, the problem winds up being... Um, you can only get up to... You can only get uh, four people into a raid. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes um, when you're... When you're lo- looking for a specific raid, um, the list doesn't refresh when you want it to. Yeah. There's no, there's no way to auto refresh it. It just sort of does it when it feels like it. And that's what felt really weird when I was trying to like, yeah, find open raid groups or just looking for specific things, even just in the general stream of stuff. And you can set a password to um to make sure like only your friends get in but you still have like a three minute time limit and it's just a little archaic yeah and if they can't see the raid then they can't join anyone exactly exactly it so that's like a... there's anywhere you can say just plug in a code and it'll connect to whatever that code's connected to 
Yeah, and like our our editor in chief, uh, Mike Salvato, I um, we traded some Pokemon back when Sword and Shield came out, and yeah, like just trying to connect, and it, like it was, it it took us a while just to be able to find each other. Yeah, it's a little silly, but uh, so far Gwen and I have had success when we've battled, and we knew to have a rematch. Now that I finally have Zamazenta. Yeah, because <laughs> the first time I destroyed him with my fast team. Yeah, her Zashian was just too fast for everything. It just <laughs> messed everything up. We did another one without Zashian. It was a bit more of a level playing field, but uh, yeah, her Zashian's pretty big. But I finally did finish the game and I have Zamazenta now, so we'll see how that rematch goes. Yeah. But yeah, is there any other final thoughts that either of you have on Isle of Armor? Oh, yeah. So, like... So, you actually get a Squirtle and a Bulbasaur. Right, which I'm but, excited for. But that was one of my hardest decisions because I always choose a fire type. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but I guess you already got the Charmander from Leon. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to give you the other ones. Um, Yeah, no, I hear it. Well, it was, it was funny for me because um, a while back, like I think during um, March or whatever, they had an event where you could catch... Um, War Turtle and Ivysaur in raid battles. So I already had a Venusaur and a Blastoise. <laughs> but they couldn't G-Max, so I wound up, instead of, I, I, yeah, I got the Bulbasaur, I think, but then I just went around grinding mushrooms so I could, um, so I could give them soup. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I didn't know that was a thing. I'm sad I missed that. But there was a lot going on in March. <laughs> yeah, there, it, there was a lot going on, for sure. Yeah. It's funny, I barely remember March. Did anything happen? <laughs> it's all kind of—it's all kind of a blur, man. I think I made a lot of bread. <laughs> yeah, that was else. the thing. I ate too much bread, and the, the the month just vanished. Wait, I have. Wait, I think I just thought of two crazy challenges in the Isle of Armor. So, like, those challenges is like if you wait and like wait and you don't feed your starter the max soup and you get Kubfu involved in the Urshifu, then feed the Urshifu soup and you don't have the honey. Can that happen? I I don't I don't know actually. I think <laughs> it can. Um. And also, my if I get the DLC, I'll. Remind me, and I'll just see if I can get it a try, because I haven't got the DLC yet, but I would like to. And also, I have another one, which, like, if this one is, like, a different one, and I'm not sure if you want to do it, but what happens if you put a Everstone on Kubfu and then read the scroll, and you don't get it to evolve? Mm, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if that'll work, because it's like a cutscene that triggers, right? So maybe it'll just... It'll just evolve anyway or yeah that's a good question or won't switch the trigger to start the cutscene yeah maybe it'll just be like hey your kubfu's holding an everstone get rid of that yeah i wonder and what happens if you release your kubfu if you can well that then you can't finish the dlc i've seen people do that because um on pokemon home the uh the trading app the mobile one yeah um people kubfu and urshifu are like the top requested pokemon right now because um I guess if people don't own the DLC, but they still want the Pokemon. Um, so there are people who are just trading their cub food the second they get it. And I'm just like, you monsters. <laughs> or at least hope that they've beaten the, the DLC. But that's interesting. It locks you out. So you'd have to trade back for one. Yeah. And you only very short sighted. And, and you only get one per playthrough. So you, in order to get another one, you'd have to restart like your entire <sighs> game. Oof. Oh, you have a lot. Level 100, like, uh, level 
hundred um Rillaboom? Well, if you release your Kubfu, you can't get any other ones. You need the restart. Yep. Well, Basically. too bad. <laughs> get a Grookey again. <laughs> and what? Your Rillaboom was a shiny. Well, good luck getting another one. Yeah, no kidding. Well, how do you get? Yeah, I wonder how you get shiny starters. I guess it would only be through like special raid events and such. Or breeding. Yeah, oh, breeding right. is That's right. the Masuda method, which is like made. Like I'm pretty sure it's the only method. Like I'm not sure what Masuda method even is. It's um, if you have a Pokemon from another country, like um, like Japan or France or whatever, um, it cuts the it cuts the odds of hatching a shiny by like half. Um, so I, I have a shiny. I have a French Ditto. Um, <laughs> French Ditto. His name is Metamorph. Um, and uh, he um, that 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 works for Masuda method. Yeah, it's it, it, it makes it a little easier. It's still tedious. It's like a one. It's like a one in five hundred chance down from a one in four thousand chance. Oh, good. Is that all? <laughs> is that all? Right. Well, it's it's an improvement. <laughs> a little bit. Um, Tuker, are. Do you uh, play Pokemon Sword or Shield? Did you jump in on that, or you just been? Oh yeah, yeah. Crossing? I've been a, uh, a Pokemon fan since the beginning, and uh, so I I was in on Sword and Shield. Uh, I, my wife Amy played uh, Sword, and I played Shield. Um, oh, that's true. I do remember that journey. Finished uh, finished through the end of that, uh, but I didn't get the DLC, and you guys have really been uh, kind of making me want it. So. <laughs> selling you on it that's right because i now remember you started trying to do a sword nuzlocke didn't you and then you backed out yeah yeah just basically it, it, it's not even that it wasn't or it's not even that it was too hard it's just that at some point i was like you know what i really like in these games is catching them all and i'm not doing <laughs> that in this right so no. i'm not having fun uh and that's what it's really about right it's having fun so i uh, yeah so i gave up on my nuzlocke run and just was like all right i'm catching everything just not, having a good time not even because you wanted to bring your dead pokemon back right exactly <laughs> it just was more fun to catch everything than to catch one thing yeah that's fair yeah, but Sword and Shield is actually my favorite, like, my first favorite game so far, because I really like all the Pokemon, I like the stadium vibes, I like the music, and then, like, also Toby Fox did some music in the Battle Tower, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just really like the starters, because it's my favorite starter group so far. Yeah, they're adorable. Um, I, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of all three of them, um. I started. Which one did you start with, Gwen? I had Scorbunny. I had Scorbunny too, because I always choose fire types. That's why I was so torn on like choosing a Squirtle or a Bulbasaur. Just like which one? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I, but I ended up picking Bulbasaur because I had a bigger relationship with it. Because in my Let's Go Eevee, I had a Bulbasaur. I see. Nice. I hope they keep the stadium uh, the way they're doing them now moving forward, like making it such an event. That's I think it's really cool. As much as they switch things up in Sun and Moon, but I think this is like an ideal way to go. It just makes yeah, a lot of like... sense. Sorry, I was saying it just makes a lot of sense, you know, for this world where gym battles are such a big thing. Yeah, of course this would be like a big sporting event type thing, you know? That yeah. just makes sense. What were you saying, Gwen? Yeah, but like... 
It'll be really interesting if one Pokemon game, you don't have any rivals. And you're just like, oh, I don't have any rivals? What? And you end up battling your mother, and you're just like, what the heck? Your That's mom's my first battle. That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. The, fi- the final battle is your mom. I- I'm-, I'm into it. <laughs> that is life, really. Um, but we also had like i said we brought tooker in today um the other game we wanted to talk about is another one that gwen just got for her birthday because gwen just hit the big one zero yay and congrats and her dad got her minecraft dungeons Dungeons. yeah and so um john did our review of minecraft dungeons which just went live just this past week didn't yep yep and yeah, so John, how was your experience with that? Because I, you, yeah, you, you were finding good things with it, despite uh, a few little drawbacks. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's a game that I kind of came into as a, a fan of action RPGs more than uh, of being a fan of Minecraft specifically. And I thought, oh, maybe this will be okay. It's you know kind of cheap and you know whatever. But I actually ended up having a lot of fun with it. It's not perfect, like you say. Um, I I don't like that. As you increase equipment, if you want to, uh, if you want to try out a new piece of gear, you basically have to destroy your old piece of gear. Um, I would love to have just been able to, you know, try something out and see how it goes, and then be like, no, you know what? I liked my old thing better, but there's there's no going back really in this game. Wait, what? Well, because you're um, when you uh, the the big thing with the all the gear is enchantments, right? So you pick up a sword and it has, you know, it does whatever damage it does. But then on top of that, it has the enchantments that you can um, put points into. And so say you put some points into that new sword that you found and you're working with that. And then later on, you find... Um, a pair of sickles and they seem really cool and they move really fast. Um, and so you think I'm going to try these out, but you can't put any enchantment points into them until you destroy the sword that you have been using to get back the enchantment points that you put into the sword. Um, oh, you have like a finite enchantment points. Yeah. You get, uh, you get one per level. Um, and then, you know, you, you put them into your, your gear and then, when you when you uh i'm trying to remember the salvage that's the word they use for it when you salvage a piece of gear it destroys it and it gives you back any enchant enchantment points that you had put into it um so yeah so that's kind of a bummer it's not as versatile what's that yeah yeah it's not as versatile as like that what it's based on like torchlight and diablo and such right where you can have a horde of inventory and it turns you all into hoarders but, but, <laughs> yeah um, so this one it you just kind of you're one and done if you want to try something out and get something a bit more powerful yep but a nice thing yeah, is because, like in minecraft dungeons i just like when i get a new thing i just test it out without any enchantments and then if i like it i'm just like okay but probably like when i use it i leveled up so i can use my level up points mm-hmm. if i want and that's true i guess you could split the difference but if you want to make it as as Tucker's saying if you want to make it the most powerful weapon you have then you would want to salvage the old one and put the new points into that one yep yeah, yeah. but uh, so it's either you're splitting your power or yeah 
But a nice thing about, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of loot hoarding and things like that. A nice thing is that uh, as soon as you pick something up or assume, you know, as soon as a piece of gear falls, you can pick it up and say, this isn't for me and salvage it right then and get the money for it instead of, you know, like having to fill up your inventory and then go back to town. And, you know, that's good. Yeah, it's one thing. Uh... A quality of life thing that was nice and torchlight. <laughs> right. Go back to town, do the sales for you. So this cuts out the middle person. Yeah, and and one other thing that I really like in Minecraft dungeons is how uh, the different pieces of gear that you get uh, really change how you play the game. Um, if you like, for example, uh, you get you know you get a, a, a melee weapon, a ranged weapon, and a piece of armor, and one of the pieces of armor that you can get uh, will summon a pet bat that always flies around oh, and attacks oh, things. Oh, 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 <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? My, my dad really <laughs> likes that armor, and he had a, and he got a bat, and he named Bat uh, Batney. <laughs> it's tough to, and then it's tough. Like later on, you're like, oh well, I found this other armor that does this other thing, but I have to give up my bat, um, and. <laughs> Um, but you also get, um, oh, I can't remember, artifacts, they call them. As you oh, yeah, three, artifacts. Three artifact slots, uh, and they can be, they range wildly. Um, like, I have one that's a totem that when you use it, it summons a circle around you that heals you up. Um, oh, I have that one, too. Like, my dad used to have it, even though it would, didn't heal so much, uh-huh. then I got it, and it healed way more, so now I'm the totem holder. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it's cool. As you level up, you get the, even uh, if you find another, an artifact that you already found before, it'll be like a better version of it that heals more or whatever. But That's then cool. there's also things like, there's a llama that you can get. That... Oh yeah, the llama, the wolf, and the iron golem. I still haven't gotten the iron golem. Me either, me either. That one sounds cool though. But the llama will like run around and spit at enemies. And, you know, so the, and, and then there's like, a, there's a fishing pole that you use and oh, yeah, it yanks I... people towards you. And so there's a really wide range of, of what those things do and i think that yeah. that keeps it fresh and fun they've done some interesting stuff with interpreting mine a lot of the minecraft elements into this specific uh gameplay style yeah yeah definitely i mean it's a it's kind of a bummer that there isn't any crafting or mining um but uh all that not even for like exploration or anything no no it's just uh the the, the level that's there that's the level that you get um but uh they do uh, they do, I mean, on the exploration front, they do a nice job of making it so um, there is more map to explore than you need for, like, to achieve your quest. You know, you, there's plenty of other places you can go just to see what's there. And there is typically something there. Uh, maybe it's a treasure chest or, you know, maybe it's uh, little vases that you can smash to get money. Um little zelda like um but there's always there's stuff out there um but yeah you're you're stuck with the you know what you get uh in terms of the map but the aesthetic is is very minecraft uh the enemies are very minecraft uh those freaking creepers um they oh yeah they're just like blow me up every time (laughs) yeah it's hard to get away from them yeah um so yeah so the aesthetic is very is very in keeping with minecraft but not the mining or crafting right now it's 
uh, yeah, like a Diablo-like gauntlet, sort of that kind of uh, roguelike adventure sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are the dungeons procedurally generated? <sighs> My impression like is the that they are set. Okay. okay. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Um, so. And do you go in solo or do you get a party? You you can I I just played it by myself, but Gwen, it sounds like you have you played multiplayer. Yeah, you can play multiplayer. Gotcha, but you don't get any NPC kind of allies. Well. No, you, like play couch co-op or online. Yep. Well, you well you kind of get allies if you get like the pets. Right. Yeah, but my but like my dad, we kind of did it. Like on like one level harder than it usually is, uh, and wow, it's hard. My dad says it's harder than Diablo. It is, yeah. You that's a nice thing too is you get to set the the difficulty level. Like when you go, you know, into each dungeon, you can you can bump it up, and it tells you, you know, here's the sort of power rating we're expecting you to be at to survive this level, um, and it it. I definitely also did that a couple of times. I set the level too hard for myself and totally got killed. <laughs> yeah, and like the bosses at the end are kind of hard. Yeah. Oh yeah, the final boss is is real hard. There's a couple of bosses near the end that are real hard. Do you guys Yeah, like you know like in the Desert Temple the nameless one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I had so much trouble with that. Like the first time we went to the Desert Temple, he just shot an orb at me, and it killed me when my house was full. Oh, that's the worst. And so the first rule against going the aimless one is, the nameless one, is to avoid the green orbs of death. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. I feel like that's generally a good rule from when facing yeah. orbs of death of any color. One one thing that they do uh, in a game, though, is uh, when, you, when you die in a level, uh, you get, basically, you get three lives. So you, if you die, you respawn a little ways back. And you can, you know, proceed on. So you do get a few tries, and things will stay. Oh, okay, so you don't get to like go find your body and find your loot and stuff. Bella. Right, and then if if you die the third time, then it just kicks you back to your camp. Um, ah. Oh, and when there's a multiplayer where one person's down, you can revive the other person. Oh, cool. But you need to do it in a certain time limit, or the phantoms will get you. Oh no! Oh, no. And kill you because they're basically you can't hit them. Until you die, and with the other mobs there, it's hard. Yeah. And do you share lives? Like, does the other person give up one of their lives for you, or like, do you both have three lives together? You both have three lives, but if both of you die, your team lives go down, right. and then you spawn closer, and then you go straight into battle. So you have a bit more survivability. And also, one of the most annoying mobs in the game are the witches. They're so oh, annoying. Yeah. I do not like them. I don't even like them in the regular game. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, they're frustrating. Always th- yeah, throwing but I, stuff. But I have a question. So in Diablo, mm-hmm. basically, like, can you... You can't set how hard it is? You can, no. You, you can't... I mean, at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, at the very beginning you can't, uh, but then after after you've played a little while, you can. And then you can set it. Um, but um, depend harder when you beat it. Yeah, and you can keep going up and up and up. Um, but it's not, um, I don't know. I, I think they're both good systems, uh, just a little bit different in the way that they work. Um, I think this one's definitely a bit more friendly to its 
general audience that it's trying to target mm-hmm. to give you kind of a, a go at it to, to try again. And it's, uh, it's something I liked in, um, oh gosh, not Darkstalkers. Um, darn it. I'm trying to remember the game. It's Describe it to me in the review, de- or the uh, research desk will take care of it. Yes, yes <laughs> there we go. Um, it's the one that's John Madeira. The, Joe Maduire, the comic book artist. Oh, Darksiders. Dark, Dark uh, Battle Chasers. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, in Battle Chasers, that's one thing I really loved about that game is whenever you went into one of the dungeons, you at the very start of it, yeah, you could set how difficult you want it. So it'd say, I think it's going to be a harder difficulty level, but you also get greater reward. So it sounds like, this, is that similar to what's yep. being asked of you in this? Yep, yep, exactly. You get to go in and it tells you, you get, you know, you know, more, you know, better loot if you take a higher difficulty and more experience and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of like this way a bit better. Yeah. And then once you've, uh, kind of adjust as you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's a, a bunch of difficulty levels, you know, within, you know, each, uh, each dungeon, but then after you finish the game, you can actually go up to the next, like sort of the next tier of difficulties. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you yeah, can kind of like, go back to it. Yeah. yeah, because I still haven't beat it, but like when you do it, like there's three different tiers. Default is like what it sounds like. It's the yep. default tier. Then there's Adventure, which is like the medium tier. And then Apocalypse, which sounds like what it is. It's literally Apocalypse, everyone run. It's on the hardest difficulty. <laughs> Have you and your dad done Apocalypse yet? No, we still haven't beat the default, you know, the default itself, and if you put it on a higher level, it's still hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm on Adventure, but I'm in, like, the first couple of levels of Adventure because it's a fairly big jump uh, in terms of difficulty from uh, default to Adventure mode. So I'm having to kind of... And is it the kind of thing you need to grind more, or is it more of a gear question? Like, what's the balancing act like? Yeah, that, that's what I'm having to grind for better gear. Um I, and a, a little bit experience, but really, since um, all of your all of your stats, basically, except for those enchantment points that we talked about, come from your gear. So, the enchantment points are the only thing you get from leveling up. Uh, and oh, okay. um, when you finish um, when you finish the default difficulty, you'll probably have like you might have more enchantment points than you need. Um, but as you move into adventure mode, you start getting gear that has uh, better enchantments that require more enchantment points. So, um, Interesting. yeah, so it gives you some incentive, I guess, to uh, to get a few more levels. But really, mm-hmm. mostly what I'm doing in, in there is looking for better gear. Well, I know, Gwen, you were saying you and your dad got stuck at some point right now, so maybe like you have to go back to one of like the earliest dungeons and maybe go up to Adventure and find better gear to tackle that boss or something? Or Oh, I already beat that boss, even though the same thing as before, even with way more better gear, avoid the green orbs of death because it almost KO'd me immediately. <laughs> yep. Um... The other... So anyone who's listening to this and about to go in the desert temple against the nameless one, the one rule is do not get hit by the orbs of green death. Yep. 
Another nice thing, though, if you are grinding for gear, is that each dungeon uh, actually tells you what specific kinds of gear you can find there. So if you really... Oh, interesting. Yeah, so if you want the piece of armor that summons a bat, you can look, you know, at which levels have that as a, a piece of gear that can drop. And then... Oh, cool. Just kind of grind on that level till you find a better one that you like. Yeah, so I, I really like that uh, because it's not quite as random as Diablo and stuff, and it doesn't require you like um, farming like you would in an MMO. Exactly, exactly. So oh, that's nice. And the sense we forgot to mention. Yeah. An iron pickaxe is better than a diamond sword. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like dealing damage. Yeah, and damage, which is super duper confusing. Well, it is called Minecraft. <laughs> the diamond is the best door. It's not even diamond pickaxe. It's just an iron pickaxe. So would the diamond pickaxe be even better then? <laughs> even though there's like weapons that are not even in Minecraft, like there's daggers. Those are not normally in Minecraft. There's hammers. And there's, oh, and I forgot to mention the soul artifacts, which are really good. The soul artifacts? Yeah, yeah. basically, you, you defeat monsters to gather souls, and you can put them in these strong attacks. Yeah, like, I have a book, uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but as I, like, Wenza, when you kill a monster, a soul drops, and it uh, kind of comes to you, and it fills up a meter, and with my book, I use... Uh, it's an artifact that I, I hit the button for it, and it makes an explosion around oh, me using the, the souls. Oh, that's the Harvester. It's called the Harvester. Oh, there you go. So the, the Harvester book, uh, and it yeah it makes an explosion around me of the souls. But there's other uh, soul artifacts that do things like heal you up or shoot a powerful projectile or you know other things like that. So, so it gives you cool like, special yeah, because, abilities. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, because the ones that I have is the Harvester, which is really good, the explosion when you're talking about, a Corrupted Beacon, which basically shoots a laser, mm-hmm. and then this Healing Amulet, which I forget the name of, but it heals you, and it's really good. Yeah. So those are uh, so those are really cool. Um, and then you know, Gwen mentioned the different types of weapons, like the hammers and things. That's another way that it really like, changes how you play. Like right now, I'm using a spear, and it has a really long range. Uh, it's not oh, the glaive. Um, Is that what it's maybe. Um, maybe one of them. Maybe. Are a arm, so yeah. Just change the name based on what it is. But it, in any case, you know, it lets you attack kind of a little farther away, um, and it hits you know fairly hard. But it's kind of slow. Um, there's also things like the daggers and sickles that are like two thing, like a, a dual wielding kind of thing. So that they they're really fast, but they don't hit as hard. Um, so you know, depending on what kind of play style you prefer, you know, you might want that hammer that's super slow but hits real hard. Which is really smart on their part because I feel like it would have been doing this style of game a disservice if they just kept it to as vanilla minecraft as possible where the only real weapon you have is your sword like everything does damage to mobs but the sword is the best thing to fight with but if all you had was just these simple melee weapons from the base game so you're just whacking things with a shovel it would have been funny on the one hand but i think it's <laughs> wacky uh, yeah i think it adds a bit more variety and fun and longevity to the the play style of the game by them innovating on the weapons Yep. Yeah, I still haven't found a trident, and that's vanilla. Like, oh, that's yeah, right. I haven't. So, like, now. where's the trident? Where's the trident? Like, all these tools so far, 
all these weapons. There's no tridents. I don't think I've seen one either. I could be wrong, yeah. but... Because vanilla Minecraft has, yeah, swords, uh, bows, and tridents. So those are the three and, main and weapons. Crossbows. And crossbows. And they do have, like, they, they do have ranged weapons, uh, but it's, like, you know, different flavors of bows or crossbow. Uh, and they tend to fire pretty similarly. Um, right. With bows, you can typically, you can charge up your attack. Uh, so it'll, you know, hit harder if you do that. Um, the one one thing that was also frustrating, I mentioned this in my review to me, is that sometimes there were some levels where you, where they, I didn't get any ammo. And so your, your bows use ammunition. And if you run oh, out, okay. then you can't shoot your bow anymore or your crossbow. Oh, and, that's a bummer. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. So, so, so there's actually this enchantment, which is called Recycle. Uh-huh. I'm sure that what it's called, and when you do some damage or get hit, like, or just get do something, you actually get arrows back, which is very useful. Yeah, yeah. So that's an example of, of a way that that really helps you out if you have that. Uh, and there's if you like to use your bow, that's another. There's a there's an armor that's the hunter's armor that gives you more arrows every time arrows drop and other things like that. Okay. So. So there's ways to optimize that. Yeah. Um, so, now. Sorry, question just about the enchantments I wanted to ask. Is it similar to base Minecraft where like you put your um, enhancement points? Is that what they're called? Uh, yeah, enchantment points, I think. The enchantment but... points. So you put the enchantment points into your sword or is, you put them in the armor as well? Yeah, you yep. can put them in the armor too. Okay, so when you put them in your weapons or your armor, do the enchantments it gives you, are they random like in the base game? Or are they... Uh, yeah. Like, like, do, they, do they come with enchantments on them and they... Yeah, so what it'll do is um, oh, at the random. yeah at the beginning um, when you pick up a, a piece of loot, it'll have uh, a set one set of enchantments, and it will be like two or three random things. Um, and if you picked up another, you know, another of uh, the exact same kind of sword, it would have two or three completely different random enchantments from the the first ones. Uh, although they are always things that like work with that item uh, like you're not going to get the enchantment about adding more arrows on a sword uh, which is nice <laughs> um and then as you as you progress through the game then you start getting weapons or armor and things that have uh, two sets of random enchantments but in each case when, when you pick one of the one of the set it locks you out of the other ones in that set so you gotta yeah so choose wisely yep because yeah. you, you can't take it back. The only way is to destroy the weapon. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, why do you want the flame expects, but there's also thundering and sharpness that you can choose from? Oh, you can Too bad. choose one of them. Yep. Oof. Now, what do you think about the, the story, Gwen? So far, it's just like you're basically just stopping the Arch Elder's plans by completing the levels, because like in the swamp area just like okay you need to basically stop the witches so so the illagers can't get powerful like in powerful drinks so that make them unstoppable so it's a pretty simple story of just like go in and defeat the big bad yeah and then yeah kind of like that and yeah. then like there's another one where they like in the desert temple they they're just like okay you better destroy the necromancer's wand so they can't spawn 
like the dead to help them. Because I think that's what got the lowest score. I think. Yeah, yeah. So the story is is paper thin, <laughs> a single sheet, <laughs> a single sheet of paper. Um, but that's okay. Like mean, that's not you know really the the main hook of well, this of genre. Yeah, yeah. They were going for like a deep dark story, like again, like the Diablo trilogy. Or yeah. And I don't know about that. The first Diablo had about a, the same plot as that, actually, which was just <laughs> yep, a bad in thing, go down, kill it. Yep. That's fair. Very true. They, they, yeah, that's true. They amped it up in Diablo 2. Yeah. And, and this game, I, I think you know, Minecraft Dungeons only takes maybe 10 or 12 hours to finish. So uh, I mean, the, the point is, you know, play this game, have fun with it, play it some more, you know, play it with your friends. Yeah. And it succeeds yeah, in that. Yeah, also there's DLC. That's true. There is DLC out now, uh, and I have not tried it out. So unfortunately, because can't say. My dad has the Heroes DLC, which basically gets you more skins, and I'm pretty sure gets you the winter area. Okay. That you get when you be in the game, but it's only coming soon because I don't think they've did it yet. Gotcha. Uh, released yet, so he pre-bought the DLC. Yeah. And we all got the skins from that pack. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to ask you is, um, how much customizability do you have of your hero, I guess, when you're making it? Well, when you start your game, like, mostly the only thing you can customize at the start of the game is a skin. Like, they already pre-made the skin. There's, like, girls with pink hair. Um, and there's just, like, the one choice, or do you get to choose yep. different hair colors and stuff? Or? Um, they're just, like, there's... Just like basically just some characters which are already made by skin, so the hairs are like the hairs already with the character, oh, okay. so you have to like pick the colors. Not a lot of flexibility. Yeah, even though at least like at least they, you're not stuck in S- Steve or or Alex or the classic skins. That's true. Option, yeah, there are options. And does your look change based on, like, your weapons and your armor and stuff like that? Yeah, your armor changes your look. Your weapons change your look. That's cool. Yeah. I... And there's no sort of class system in this either, though. No. Right, right. Even though you can, like, if... Even though you can get just a random pet that just flies around, I chose a parrot, and my dad originally chose the baby chicken, and then the baby chicken, was, when they walked around, like, you know, it sounded like... You can hear it a little bit. And my dad kind of got annoyed, and then he just like, you know what? I'm just gonna get this baby chicken out here and get this parrot. Yeah, my my llama <laughs> is always going. Oh, the parrot <laughs> and the baby chicken are kind of just for decoration that you get at the start of the game. Oh, gotcha. So, what are you saying about your llama? There? So the the, the llama like grunts uh, every so often. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, wait, is that yeah, is like, that an enemy? Also, nope. the bat squeaks. Oh yeah, the bat squeaks. <laughs> That's fine. The dog barks. As they do. Yeah, and I'm not sure what sound the iron golem would make. Yeah, me either. Stone cold stare. Mm. <laughs> and so Amy didn't want to play anything with you with this one, John? Um, I, I guess I, I didn't, uh, I didn't try having her play uh, multiplayer with me. Although we do have like two controllers, so we could have played couch co-op. Uh, but I think. I'm trying to remember the time frame of things. Um, if it came, I think this came out just before Animal Crossing. Um, 
not the greatest right. timing in the world. Yeah, but I mean, they, uh, but she's different flavors. Amy's a huge, huge, huge Animal Crossing fan. Um, so that's like it, all so. she's had, uh, you know, gaming time for. She wants nothing out of Saunders Switch. Yep, exactly. <laughs> she did play, uh, like I said, she did play uh, Pokemon Sword, but uh, then once, <gasps> once, uh, once Animal Crossing came out, that's it. It was dead to her. Yes. <laughs> And I guess you can do couch co-op, but you can also do online multiplayer as well. That's correct. Okay, cool. So if we ever got a copy here, then I can play with it. Like, like Black Hat Dungeons may have come up because, like, everyone's in Animal Crossing, and then they're just like, what? Animal Crossing doesn't have fighting? Well, play this Minecraft <laughs> game. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. It's the, we're definitely living in a great time for having too many games, but it also means you can have whatever flavor you want at any point in time. What consoles are you guys playing it on? Oh, I'm playing it on the PS4 with my dad. No, I'm on Switch. How was uh, the performance of it on the Switch? It's been, uh, yeah, been, been great. I haven't seen any kind of slowdown issues or, or anything, even though there's been sometimes a bunch of enemies on screen, and I have, like, my uh, spear, glaive, whatever it is that I'm using right now, uh, drops a poison cloud. Uh, so there's kind of effects going on and, you know, but still, yeah, uh, good performance. And I think oh, that's good. It, well, that's a nice switch. <laughs> so actually about Minecraft Dungeons, once the, when I played it with my dad, it actually froze. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did have a random. Oh, no. Except there's something cool about it. Like, but like, sadly, like, I thought I lost my, like, my... Like my unique, that's what they call like legendary armor in that game. I, I had my unique like weapons and artifacts from that level, and I'd probably lose it. But something cool about this game is that you keep it even if it froze. So there's an auto save in there, I guess, maybe wait right when you pick it up. Yeah. yeah. But sadly, the, our level, how far we got in the level, doesn't save. Your progression was gone. Yep. That's a bummer. Mm. Even though it's still cool that it keeps that armor. Mm hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely got a tight auto save too. It does. Yeah. Tragic losses. Here's an interesting thing. So from, oh, if you ever play it with like your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband, and the, kids. your kids are just like maybe anybody really, you have like a toddler or just anyone some, some just turns it off, it just it'll just probably save. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. What were you saying, John? Uh, here's an interesting thing from the research desk. Uh, you guys were talking about procedural generation earlier. Yeah, all of the dungeons in this game are procedurally generated. Okay. But, but they are also handcrafted. Apparently, the developers built a special editor with vanilla Minecraft that they used to build all of the dungeons. So, like, every dungeon in the game, all of the rooms, all of the setups were actually built in Minecraft. And then they oh, would be switch. Cool. They'd be switching back and forth between first-person Minecraft view and the isometric view of dungeons to make sure that it looked good and everything was uh, everything was uh, functioning Sweet. properly. Yeah, and, and it, so they're procedurally generated, but pre-generated is what you're saying. Uh, like, specific rooms are specific rooms are handcrafted. So as I understand it, there. I mean, you guys are playing it. There are like you clear a number of rooms and then you enter into a landmark room. Is that is that right? Okay. Yeah, so you might uh, there's uh, there's one level where you're heading into a the castle and you go into the town and there's there's some stuff that's clearly like a fixed you know layout that somebody built. But then, but then in between, it fills in the gaps with whatever. Sounds like it. Yeah, that's pretty so cool. All of, 
all of the assets were created with vanilla Minecraft, and it, but with extra items. Apparently, they had like extra brushes and uh, yeah. special editing tools to make you know make sure that everything was a little bit more detailed for this game. But uh, yeah, it's uh, they also had other things like they could raise the ground level with a single click or create larger structures much faster than normal, which is a relief because building things in Minecraft takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got some special mods and stuff for it. It can take a yeah. take a haul to to build some of the bigger stuff. And that's, again, the mod stuff really only comes to PC, which is one thing I was going to say. I do hope we get some cross stuff back over the other way, because, again, without mods, so people who are playing on consoles, you don't have access to the world of wonders that modding on the PC Minecraft can bring you. So, sure, I'm someone has made, like, daggers and hammers and stuff like that for PC Minecraft, but, like, you don't get in the consoles. So I'm wondering if they'll pull some of that back over there or some of these special... Um, creative kind of tools that were brought into making the levels in this that'd be really neat yeah i mean frankly i think it'd be a great idea if they were looking for dlc in the future to release this particular editor for minecraft dungeons so people could create their own landmark rooms and build their own that seems just like a no-brainer maybe they'll do it for the like link's awakening yeah exactly maybe they'll do it for the sequel i mean it sounds like this is a very interesting game and there's a lot of interesting mechanics but what i'm hearing is that there is a lot of room for expansion of, well, story, obviously, but also of mechanics. And it seems like that could be something they're headed towards with Minecraft Dungeons 2 in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a good foundation to build on, and uh, they could do some good <laughs> stuff with it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so um, there's something that I'm happy about, the music. Like, I'm just glad that it has unique music, and it's just not randomly the same sometimes. I like how the levels... So far, I have unique music, and it's just not like in Minecraft where it's just all peaceful. It's just like da 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 da. They got some good action music in there and stuff like that as well. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just glad they don't have only peaceful music in it. Like I'm glad they have sometimes, like sometimes imitating music or intimidating, intimidating music, and like not only just peaceful rap music, but like. It would be be a really weird um, yeah, tone like, shift if it was just peaceful all the time. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it would be funny if there's this intense scene in Desert Temple that you're raiding, and like an injury comes and interviews are really scary, and then it just play. I was talking about that last week with Murder by Numbers, where you'd be in the middle of like this really dramatic moment, like you have a gun pointed at you, and then you'd go into a pit cross puzzle, and the music would just turn into like a bouncy, happy kind of thing, and it just killed the tone of it, like really was just jarring. Yeah, just because you're doing a puzzle, it doesn't make that gun go away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because like... In Minecraft, like, normally in Minecraft, if, like, you're surrounded by intervents and monsters, that you're just like, no, I'm gonna die, just because, and you're, or you're burning a village down, and in Minecraft, it is like, bum, 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 dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then it just, like, and all the villagers are like, ha, 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 because, like, the village is burning down, and then the music is still peaceful. Looking Pillagers terrible. are raiding in a raid, and the music is just still peaceful. And it's just like... It'd be a lot. Yeah. yeah. Pillaging generally isn't happy and bouncy. No, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, before we move it along, because uh, we got a ship Gwen out of here. She's got a pumpkin on us. Um, what, do you have any other final thoughts on this game? Or you, you, Do you think it's going to get a second one, Gwen? 
I hope I get the second one. I'm enjoying it. You haven't beaten it yet, though, right? Not yet. Do you think you're close? Yeah, I'm getting really close. Now I just need to go in the forge, and then I'll probably go in the last level. Oh, cool. So you'll probably might even beat it this weekend, you guys. Yeah. Even though out of both of the games, Pokemon and Minecraft, uh, Pokemon, I think I give it four Master Balls out of five. I really <laughs> like it. And, like, just the only thing is that there's, like, that, like, even though it's really good, I just kind of wish that, why did I give it only four? I give it five Master Balls out of five. Well, if you had a problem, okay. then it makes sense to have four. No, <laughs> even though, like, I, like, the only thing that, like, I had a problem with was me not understanding something. So. We'll say four and a half, then. Four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> Out of five master balls. And Minecraft Dungeons is pretty good. The story is. Mm, and then, like. I mostly like it, so it's. Hmm, how do I say this one? Diamonds! Perfect. It's diamonds, sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, you can still read it at Pokeballs, whatever. Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> we were thinking about moving over to that for the new RPG fan site. Yes, right? For all the games. So how many diamonds does this get? This. Out of five. Gets hmm. It's a tough reading. Hmm. Yeah, because like I like it, even though there's like some problems with it. So what do you think? Hmm. I think I'm gonna give it a th- three and a half. Wait, that's that's, that's pretty close half, to yeah. uh, what I said. Actually, it's yeah. it's exactly. You gave it three and a half pokeballs out of four on the site. Well, yeah, out of four. Or yeah. five out of, the, out of five out, on the out site. Of, yeah, that's the thing. And, yeah. uh, and uh, Joe gave... Above average. Yeah, and Joe gave uh, Sword and Shield uh, four Pokeballs out of five. There we go. So for other <laughs> people, that would be a... Averages. That would be an 80 for Sword and Shield, and... Uh, no, I, I gave it... I 4. gave 5. it four and a half. No, but he, he was okay. saying what, what Joe did, because Joe did the review. Hmm. Yeah, Joe gave it an 80, and uh, he liked it a lot. And uh, Joe, uh, I can never say C Z C Z O P. Chop, 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 chop. Yeah, chop. Okay, yeah. Gave it an eighty. Chop till you drop. <laughs> well, that's good. Cool, well, Gwen. Thank oh. you for being on the episode, joining us today. Oh, could I ask uh, Gwen a question sh- real quick before she goes? Yeah, I was going to say oh, I was going to show her something else too. So, oh, go first. Okay, I was just curious, Gwen. Are there any games coming up in the future that you're excited about? games coming up in the future. Or that just came out? Or that just came out. Something you're excited to play. What's something, something from like the recent like Nintendo Directs or anything like that that you saw? Yeah. Or from all the um, I mean we watched a bit of the trailers and stuff like that for like the PS5 and things like that too. Oh it's been a while. Oh moment. yeah so I'm very excited for the new Horizon Zero Dawn game. Heck yeah. Looks so beautiful. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that like robot cat game called Stray, which is cool. Like, it looks like a cool concept, which is the world is basically robots and they're just like this stray cat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how that's gonna play out. Here and then before you go, Gwen, um, Peter shared his his espion, so. <gasps> to see it. Wait, is that a shiny Charizard? 
You thought they had a shiny Charizard. I do have a shiny Charizard, yes. <laughs> I have a shiny Whalor, too. What? So far, I only have a shiny, um, what's it called again? What's that? The, the Glaceon? No, like, no, like, in Sword and Shield, I have... Well, that's right, you did catch one. Yeah, like, it's like the one that came in in Sun and Moon. It's like that mushroom guy, like the... And it's like the Final Evolution. And, like, it's... Like, looks like a creepier version of Toad, and it's a grass fairy. Oh, yeah, and there's a bunch of them around the fairy town. Um, oh, is that a more moral? No, I think that's a first evolution. What's it called again? Yeah, it's like it's like Shruminja or something weird. It sounds like a... Shruminja! Uh, I don't think it's that, but it sounds... It's it like should Shroom, be. Sh it's like Shroomobi, Shroomobi or something. Um, uh, crud. What are those? I'm now blanking on even just mushroom names in what in general, because it was it was based off of um, like the mushrooms that you get in, in ramen and stuff. Oh, the shiitake. Yeah, hang on. Shiitake. Yeah, it was. So it was, it was like it was based on that. It's, yeah, it's either. I think it is Morlo, uh, Morlo okay. or Shinotic. 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 Yeah, that's the one. And like, even though it's not the blingiest shiny ever, like. And they basically took away the pink and made it yellow and brown. It's still cool that it had a shiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got a shiny Corviknight. Oh, yeah, Greg got a shiny Corviknight. It's the only oh. shiny I've ever gotten. Yeah. But also, I have something to say to the people who are listening to this. Okay. It's a Pokemon challenge! Another one. The, like, the, the, okay. But this challenge is I want you to attempt to make seven Chakra Pokemon. Uh, from the seven chakras. I see. Okay. So, like, Pokemon inspired by the chakras? Yeah, maybe? Pokemon inspired by the chakras. Well, we'll see who does it. And if any of you do it, like, maybe, like, put it in, like, an RPG fan video? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, Whatever. They can email me. Yeah, they can email. Email. My we'll figure it out. Just email. Just email RPG fan. It's all good. Okay. But thank you, everyone. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you, Gwen. Thank Thanks. You, Gwen. Thanks for being on. There's been, obviously, a lot of Nintendo Direct-style announcements the last few weeks because of the cancellation of E3, and it seems like everyone sort of embraced the Direct-type style of presentation. So Nintendo, once again, pioneering a the, you know, the new form of uh, entertainment and uh, presentation for video games. But what do you guys think of them? Like, have you seen a whole lot of them over the last few weeks? What ones were successful? What ones were disasters? And why the heck hasn't Nintendo made one yet? It's hard to say. There's a, there's a rumor that there's a Nintendo Direct coming soon, but yeah, it's only rumor at this point. Nothing's been confirmed. Um, yeah, this supposed to be something maybe this morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and I got, and we we covered a bunch of these little miniature presentations um, for news. And I mean, I think it was great. Yeah, you were busy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we really were busy. Oh my god. Um, and it, but it was it was it was interesting because a lot of smaller indie titles got like highlights that they wouldn't normally have been able to get they kind of would have been lost in the noise um and i appreciate that that's interesting um i really liked the ps5 presentation that was super cool it got me hyped for the console it, it had a lot of um cool game announcements and reveals i'm i, I i'm i'm a might be alone in that i really like the design of the console <laughs> i think it looks i don't mind it so much i think everyone complains about everything until they see it yeah that's fair yeah then they sometimes complain more, but at least they are basing it off something. Yeah, for sure. 
But um, yeah, I don't think I, other. I don't think there were really any st- the inside Xbox presentation thing was kind of lame, I guess. But hmm. I don't know. I, I, I Microsoft the way Microsoft advertises their games never does anything for me. So hmm. Ubisoft had a bit of a disaster a few days ago. Yeah, Ubisoft. What the hell, guys? Like ignoring ignoring the fact that they've let's sh- let's just say they've not had the best press the last couple of weeks. Um, the whole lots of abuse allegations. Yeah, but like their idea of let's bribe people into watching our show by offering them a free copy of Watch Dogs too, and then our servers will all crash so no one can log in and no one knows if they're getting the game or not. It completely no one was talking about the games they announced or or highlighted. If you went on Twitter and typed in Ubisoft, all you saw was people going, "What the hell? Where's my game?" Absolutely true. Yep, I I didn't hear a yeah. single thing about the games that uh, they talked about on. The- on the thing just about watchdogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot there was I forgot there was even like, I forgot there was even an event until like after the fact when like um some of the stories started trickling out cuz yeah, nobody was like watching it. Nope. And to be fair, we did get it. Like I got an email a couple of days ago that said I don't I don't I don't really want to play watchdogs, but I was like, "Hey, free game, cool." Um and they they did send it out, so it's in my library now. So they did fulfill their promise to everyone. But for a while there, no one knew what was happening. Mm. Yeah, it's weird that uh, they just poorly planned the whole thing. And you're right; like it totally was a bribe. I guess that's where their way of smoothing things over in some weird attempt. That Paper Mario stream was also kind of interesting. Not that it was a bad thing or anything, but like when they go and tease an announcement like that. And then it turns out to be, I mean, a, a, whatever, a Bakugan game. I'm not mad about that or anything, but it's like, yeah, what did you expect? <laughs> I think that, I, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think that sort of thing uh, can be chalked up to just like a, I don't know, a junior level marketing person who is who is told, okay, we're having, you know, we're doing Paper Mario and then we're announcing something else immediately afterwards. So make a tweet about that. And the tweet gets sent out and then it's everyone loses their mind and then they try to clarify it and it gets worse. And then they release the game and everyone's like, what the really all that for nothing. But in reality, it was just a tweet. There was no real weight to it. It was just like a, you know. No, it's it, people brought in their own expectations before the event happened. And that's that. Yeah, you know, I, I know we're all starved for content these days, but <laughs> are we? <laughs> well i i feel like there's a there, there's a lot of stuff lo- and it, a lot of gets lost in the noise hmm. that's fair and, and you know with everybody you know still spending more time at home than they might have uh you know before a few months ago people are probably spending more time playing games and getting through more games than they uh than they were so even a normal amount of releases you know and, and summer always is my memory is that summer is a slower time for releases. But speaking of Paper Mario, right. yeah, that that's that's out now. I I pre-ordered it like right away because I loved some of the older Paper Mario, like Thousand Year Doors, one of my you know top games ever. Uh, and now I'm like, oh, I I do I even want to like start playing it? I'm <laughs> so nervous that it's just going to not be a good experience after getting you know burned the last couple times even though i didn't think those games were you know like sticker star and and color splash they weren't the worst games i've ever played but they definitely weren't what i wanted out of a paper mario game and i think yeah it's gonna be a hard one for them because everyone basically just wants more thousand year door yeah i should i should have bought i should have bought bug fables uh based on alana's review alana loves it 
Yeah. I wonder if we'll ever get like remasters of that. Uh, even like the original Paper Mario or Paper Mario Thousand Your Door. I, feel like I don't know. The money, but well, they could that, be testing the waters with a ton of those. Yeah. They could be testing the waters with the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I replayed Thousand Year Door not too long ago, and it still looks fantastic. Uh, just, you know, that that style um, and that type of graphics, they don't really they get... well. Yeah, exactly. They age really well. So it'd be tough to, to see a remaster, but I mean, like, I'd probably still buy it. They might... I mean, what Nintendo's doing right now, rumor has it that they're releasing uh mario 64 sunshine galaxy one in like an an all-star a mario all-stars type collection uh this christmas that's the rumor we'll see what happens if the nintendo direct comes out and if it's it's all remastered yeah if it's a huge if it is a huge success we might actually start seeing that like nintendo just packaging uh some of their older games in series together and releasing it in uh in uh like little bursts of an all-star package if there's... You've only really gotten some like Zelda HD remasters, but aside from that, mm. um, I mean, they did spruce up the Metroid Prime trilogy, or no, they just bundled them together. They added, uh, they added um... motion controls. Yeah, but that's about it, as I understand it. Yeah, they didn't really up the graphics. Not that from the GameCube to the Wii was a huge jump. Mm. From what I've read, and I've been looking at some reviews because I'm not reviewing it, so I'm you know was checking it out. Uh, the general consensus seems to be it's good. It's fine. Um, it uh, it apparently does really shortchange the RPG elements of it, though. Yeah, which is par for the course for for modern Paper Mario, unfortunately. Although yeah. it just seems like there's less of an excuse for that when, like, I don't know. I don't. I, I, they they're gonna do what they're gonna do, but I don't think this is what fans want. Like, right. Every other game is adding more RPG to the you know, to their mechanics. <laughs> Why take yeah. it out? Mm-hmm. We're going to be like covering FIFA 2022 soon. <laughs> and I don't understand their rationale about Mario spinoffs where it's like, oh, we want things to be more homogenous and less interesting than the mainline games. Like They keep oscillating back and forth. Like, which one's the RPG? Is it the Mario and Luigi? Or is it the Superstar stuff? Or is it going to be Paper Mario? They kind of keep dipping in and pulling out. It's weird. And until and, and unless they announce something like from a new developer, like Mario and Luigi is dead right now, so we don't have um, a competitive series, a competitive competing series. This would be a perfect time to bring back classic Paper Mario, but um, um, I just yeah, I just I don't I don't understand. What people liked about those games is that they were they felt like they fit in the Mario universe, but they were still different, you know. It was definitely a different way to look at things, like from Super Mario RPG right through. It's a different way of telling those Mario stories, but it, it fleshes out the world that we don't really get much. Like the most fans in the past got of the Mario world was watching the cartoons and the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <laughs> don't don't forget, <laughs> don't forget the movie. Oh yes, can, can we movie. please? Can we please forget about the movie? No, no John, <laughs> John Leguizamo is a treasure. <laughs> he is. He even made it into Steph. Sibidlo's artwork. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I just uh, for those I tell who don't you, know, Steph um, does uh, album art for is it Retronauts? Yep. Yeah, it is Retronauts. Okay, and one of them was like yeah, like a Toad focused, and she threw in some nods to the movie, so it's just a great little piece of art. 
So here's I'm what... just amused at how much Nintendo just desperately is trying to forget that that thing exists. And whenever somebody brings it up, it's like they just it's like the Picard meme with his with the, his uh, head in his hand. That's basically Nintendo when it comes to that movie. Yeah. So thinking of um, I'm thinking back, we're talking about like remasters and things like that. What I would love to see would be super fun would be uh, Paper Luigi Thousand Year Door because, you know, throw out that whole game. Luigi, like every time you see Luigi at the at each new chapter, he's back in town and he's probably got some new companion with him, and he's telling you about this adventure that he went on that's very similar to yours, but different in you know fun ways. I would love to like play that. Oh yeah, for sure. If they ever have another year of Luigi, that'd be a great release. Oh yeah, it would. It's so great. Yeah, I hope someone's pitched it. Yeah, I mean. Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series are both responsible. They're not primarily responsible, but they're both uh, like Luigi would not have a character if it wasn't for Paper Mario. True. Like the the that character had, you know, was originally in the Paper Mario series and then developed into Luigi's Mansion and then developed into Mario and Luigi. But Luigi was really not a developed character up until that point. The RPGs were where he developed his uh, uh, the the lesser brother. Green stash. <laughs> yeah, and it's so weird that he didn't even get like an honorable mention, even in Super um, Mario RPG. There's a game I would like yeah. to see rebooted, or if not rebooted, re-released in like a like a remaster kind of thing. But that'd be too tricky because it's it's Square. I'm sure there's a lot of rights, but at the same time, it was uh, so Nintendo good. And Square have really made nice again. I mean, we just got all the PlayStation One classics on the Switch after all, so. It's not in the realm of impossibility. I know, but if they honestly, if they really wanted to just sidestep the whole Paper Mario, Mario and Luigi uh, controversy, make Mario RPG 2. Sure. I would play I mean, it. I think everyone would play it. That game is amazing. Yeah, even today, critically, or I think universally acclaimed. And uh, mm. the, I mean, I'm sure they like money, it so... It plays well. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do like about this, about what they're doing with Mario over the last few years, is they've kind of created, we were talking about all the different versions, but they actually have created sort of a, a Mario multiverse, where it's like you have the Mario and Luigi uh, Mario, you have the paper Mario Mario, you have the regular Mario from the 3D games, you have uh, the cartoon show, and they really seem to be slightly embracing this uh concept that i guess i guess sort of like disney did back in the day where they can just dump mickey or donald or goofy into whatever scenario and that scenario will be completely separate from the rest of the world and nintendo nintendo's sort of been doing that with mario the last few years um i think yeah, like i've been playing tennis aces and it's got its own thing going on where suddenly like everybody's super into tennis and this is like well i start seeing this in the next mario kart well there'll be like a mario kart storyline yeah I've, they've done that with like mario party in the past a bit too they should do that, though. They should just do a, a flat-out, like, Super Mario crossover with all of the, <laughs> the different Mario Marios multiverse. together. Yeah, like, you guys, I don't know, when you guys, a few years ago, did you guys um, watch Homestar Runner? Yeah. Uh, I sure did. Yeah, there was an episode, I think it was episode 100, where Strong Bad goes in and he, find, he has an adventure with all of the alternate Strong Bads that they've introduced over the years. Boy, yeah. That. Yeah, that's kind of what, <laughs> that's kind of what I want with, the, with uh, Mario. Come on, Nintendo. Use your powers for awesome. I mean, it works for Sonic Generations. True. So they just did a Mario Generations where you jump through the different gameplay types. And and it, this would be a good place, too, for them to acknowledge their successes and their foibles. I mean, if there's a level where you played through... I mean, 
I mean, John will probably find this out pretty quick, but I'm sure there was a video game adaptation of the Super Mario Brothers movie. There was not. Oh, good. Um, yeah. No, they, they, they avoided but it like the, the plague. There was no, no Mortal Kombat, uh, the movie, the video game, uh, in no. this case. <laughs> no, 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 that's no, no Street Fighter. Oh, yeah, that's God. what I meant to say, Street Fighter, the game, the movie. Video games... Man, that was an era. Yeah, video game movies in the 90s were a special time for movies. Hey, the Mortal yeah. Kombat one holds up. I'm yeah, Mortal Kombat, I actually that. just rewatched that uh, recently. It popped up on like Netflix or Amazon Prime or something, and I was like, why not? <laughs> and, it's like, is it terrible? Yes, it's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. What did you expect? But, but it's it gave fun, people what they wanted I read the Mortal Kombat novel. It was actually quite compelling, if I recall. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Honestly, I think that seventy percent of the success of, you know, Mortal Kombat was just the theme song. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I, a, I actually I have the soundtrack on cassette. I think I bought it. Mm-hmm. If I recall correctly, or maybe on CD. Either way, I own the soundtrack when I was a young Greg. Well, um, but back to what you were asking yeah. about uh, <laughs> the directs, directs and stuff. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I liked what uh, Steam kind of did with its Summer of Gaming, so it was called, but just having um, various streamers and stuff sample the wares and talk about it, I thought that was a nice way to bring it to the fans and get more hands-on with it without all, like, the legal speak and the, the corporate uh, marketing speak. Mm, I agree. It's it's going to be a sad day when E3 and a lot of these gaming shows are not just delayed, but canceled, because I think that... I think that a lot of video game companies are going to get a lot more mileage out of this. They don't need to pay as much for one thing. They don't need to pay for travel. They don't need to pay to get the space. Um, And they can just get more people playing their games because they can release short demo slices of them rather than have to, like, people standing in line for hours to play five minutes of a title. Everyone can play it. Um, I think that's really, really valuable to these... uh, to these video game companies and i don't think that e3 is going to give them what they used to get it's going to be hard and i can understand a lot of convention centers are going to be sweating a bit i could imagine they're yeah. currently sweating like crazy because you know everything's canceled obviously everything's canceled that's been our lives for the last few months i was going to say they could probably uh, like reduce or i mean even if they yeah they could probably reduce the amount of swag that they uh, make and you know deliver for uh you know like an e3 and deliver it like to the fans instead say hey we're having a giveaway related to our announcement of this game uh you know here's t-shirts for you know the first hundred people or whatever or you know uh Mm. and you know so yeah a lot of ways that they uh they can save in the new environment well, yeah, even with just shipping all those T-shirts, that's probably still cheaper than building a whole booth, hiring people to supply it. Absolutely. Booth, bringing all the swag that they want to make for not just the first 100, but like for thousands of people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think the price difference would still work out in their benefit. I think so, too. And they get more reach. I mean, what could happen in the next few years is that, you know, those E3 uh, Tokyo Gaming Show style conventions will start just going away because people won't be joining them. And then in a few years because everything everything comes back they'll probably start doing like boutique conferences and things like that where sort of what e3 was when it first started like for journalists just so journalists can talk to game creators and that sort of thing and the online component will give consumers what they always wanted from e3 which is a chance to play and see the games yeah and i think 
like and that's the part of me that feels that the convention as a whole won't go away because there is a certain magic about it like i love the experience of going to pax for say like there's just such a sense of community mm. and the vibe that that brings that you obviously cannot get from just watching a stream and such i mean there's a certain magic that i feel when i watch um movies that are on tv for example i just get this weird i get this weird vibe that i'm like watching the movie with other people even though i'm not but it's just like it's on live tv it's a weird thing so there's a bit of that when you're watching a live stream but it's a wholly different experience when you get to hear things right from the developers you get hands-on right there in the moment there's no chance of like signal lag or whatever from uh, internet displays and such so I actually would not mind if uh, a lot of video game companies would start getting away from the uh, the Apple-style presentations that they've been doing the last few years because I just don't think they're okay. having the same impact. I don't really think they're... I don't think they're entertaining, for one thing. Just... And we could see that this summer. Like, with the streams that really hit out of the park, it would just be, like, game, 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 game. And the ones that didn't would have, like game then lots of conversation and then maybe it would be very very slow and i think that the pacing will uh, increase in the next year or so and this was their first year doing it i don't think it's going anywhere i think that next summer yeah. we're going to get maybe a few less of these but i think that we're probably going to get uh almost the equal number of game announcements through direct style things and i think that it's it's here to stay i think it's one of those things that covid has brought about that a lot of people are going to go, oh, this is better. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to see, you know, some of the things that haven't gone over as well. Also, like, I think it was the Xbox group that had like, a you know, big presentation. It was really just, let's talk really in depth about the tech that's mm-hmm. in this box that you're buying. And um, that didn't go over very some well. Some people are super into that. But... Uh, but, there, but yeah, that's a thing that you would see like a, presentation on at like an e3 or something like that where you know the the journalist could go and watch that and then they're like okay now this gives me stuff that i can report on back to my people in a way that they're going to find interesting but yeah the most people weren't into that and they you know so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of transitions as well because there are still people who are interested in that they got to find a better way to market you know when they're going to do a presentation like that yeah. I think that... One thing oh, I was... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, John. I was going to say that I think that uh, in terms of innovating innovating during COVID, uh, the company that hit it out of the park more than anybody is not a video game company at all. It's Apple. Uh, their WWDC, their virtual WWDC this year, as far as I can tell, was an incredible success. Their presentation uh, was brilliant. It was incredibly well produced, and it replicated the feel of their live uh apple style announcements like that that entire video thing where they announced the new apple chips and everything it felt like that presentation and then for the delicious and then for the rest of the week they had smaller uh webinar type style things where you know small groups of people could sign up for them um and i think that might be where it's going like maybe people could have a maybe I don't know a company or if they were if all the companies were to get together into an E3 type thing have a big presentation right off the top and then you could split it off into smaller presentations where people can go to them if they want and I mean we'd have to go to all of them but because um, we have all summer and as yep yeah, you guys have been doing you have been doing an incredible job of the news because oh my god it's been a waterfall 
Well, that's what I wanted to actually, actually ask you, Peter. Yeah. Um, how do you feel this year has gone in far, as far as news coverage and news coverage coming to you and the team compared to um, uh, E3 physical? Mm, I don't know. It's it, it, What was helpful about E3 was that um, we had, um, you know, sort of a centralized hub for everything like every it was either and it was stuff like people who were on the show floor had their previews to write they got kind of that first-hand coverage all the announcements the major announcements were all kind of in a couple quick bursts and it was easier to plan for um with this it's been a lot more sporadic and a lot more random and and you have a lot more events that are like multi-days like um that uh the new game plus expo and stuff like that so I don't know. There's pros and cons to both. Um, at least for this for this one, we we've managed to have, like I said earlier, a lot of smaller titles really got um, more time in the spotlight, which has been which is nice. And yeah, I guess that's one thing that's going to be lacking from this is the preview angle of it, because we've definitely, as a consumer audience, have gotten to a place where we're all getting the news at the same time as the news now like with the big presentations at e3 they're all being streamed so we're not waiting for news outlets to report at the end of the day to us we can all just see it but if the conventions go away the uh, us as um, journalists and such don't get our hands on with the preview materials so fans aren't getting to hear that and we're all just again getting all the information at the same time so it doesn't really like you know make us moot but it's um it, it still takes away some of the necessity of the journalist coverage of these events. Hmm. I don't know. I, I never have time to watch them while they're happening personally. So I really sure. appreciate the coverage. That's a good angle. I also think that I might be wrong about this, but it'd be an interesting place to explore uh, for game companies doing their releases. People love let's plays people love watching streamers on twitch this is like a it's a major component of the industry now and eventually what it could move into especially with you know better streaming of uh video games uh you know stream it to journalists and then journalists can play it and they can post that they can post this on their site of playing the game and that's been happening a lot on youtube for example uh outside xbox has been doing a lot of that where it will just be uh, that's actually what Cyberpunk 2077 was doing. A lot of outlets would just release the first 50 minutes of the game with their commentary over top of it. And I guess you'd have to be going into a bit of a bidding war, I guess, to try and get some titles from someone or whatever. Yeah, but that's a matter of access. That's just that's just life as yeah. a journalist. Yeah. Mm. Either way, it's interesting uh, to see what's going to be on the horizon this time next year when... Yeah, when we may or may not be allowed to do this all again. That's very true. Yeah, right now, just got to hold out till we hopefully get a vaccine that works, and then <laughs> we'll be able to resume real life, hopefully. Well, theoretically. I mean, it's going to, I don't know. Yes. I don't. I think people, when they think, hear the word vaccine, they think it's going to be like, a vaccine's going to be created, and then we can all go back to regular life the next day. It's like, no, nope. it's going to take a while to produce the vaccine. It's not going to be like someone flying over the city with a crop duster, just with people breathing it in. It's going to take a little if while. Only. If only. You mean, you, mean the, you mean the end of Resident Evil Vendetta? <laughs> <laughs> I 
What do you mean tying it back to video games? I'm not even. No, it's one of the the bad CGI movies. But that's literally how they end it. Is like crop dusting a, a virus that cures the town of zombies. So like the zombie people <laughs> are like missing arms and bites and all that, but all of a sudden they're turning back into people. It's like um. Did nobody think this through? <laughs> Just people dying of hemorrhaging. Well, I did. Hear, yeah, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I, I did well, hear some like good in... news that the Umbrella Corporation is in third stage testing for their vaccine, and I suspect <laughs> oh, that great. it's going to go great. Oh yeah, there is absolutely nothing that can go wrong with that. No, Umbrella and human testing always yeah. goes well. They have a strong history of uh, highly effective products. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and building and building a secret labyrinthine uh, science laboratories beneath elementary schools. What? Un- unconventional lock design. On that note, all I can say is stars. Look, all I'm saying is that it was a very bold choice to have every new employee memorize the Moonlight Sonata during the orientation. <laughs> Culture is one of their core values. I like it. <laughs> Oh, oh God, let's not. <laughs> I think we can turn this thing into the parking lot and put it in the park, and this analogy is getting away from me. Anyways, uh, hey, uh, thank you very much, gentlemen, for being on here. Um, and again, shout out to Gwen. Please thank Gwen for us. It, that was we wonderful. It was really fun. Super fun. Fans have been clamoring for more Gwen, so uh, I can't ex- understand why. It's not like she's entertaining or anything. It's not just that. It's actually kind of nice to have somebody who's the core audience for these games. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's such a different perspective. And I was interested, um, just, yeah, what her take on, like, for example, the Minecraft Dungeon story was going to be compared to uh, how John took it. And it's interesting that even she's at a point where she's like, yeah, it was pretty eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, <laughs> if it's eh for the target audience, then amp it up on the next one, I guess. Yeah, come on, guys. But uh, she was definitely uh, on board with the Isle of Armor, so that's not shocking. She will not not talk about Pokemon. Just like unsolicited. We'll be like at dinner talking about something randomly. She's like, oh, but this thing in Pokemon, no relation to anything. <laughs> Such a kid thing to do, and I love it. We could use a dose of that in our politics, to be frank. Quite honestly. Just in Congress, somebody like Mitch McConnell is talking about something, talking about relief for COVID, and then, I don't know, Oh, McConnell's not talking about relief for COVID. What's your favorite of the first 151 <laughs> We just need to know. What starter type do you usually pick? Because that's what we really need in Pokemon, partisanship. <laughs> I think I think Mitch identifies as a, as a Garbodor. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, man. No, oh, that's dude. the place to stop the podcast. Yep. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you um, want to start... Um, converting members of congress into pokemon you can email me at podcast at rpgfan.com share all your thoughts on that we have tons of episodes of random encounter for you to listen to but we also have other podcasts john do you want to tell them about the other podcasts yeah sure we we have uh well we have um, one that has not been updated in a while but there are there are rumblings there are rumors that Rhythm Encounter might be coming back at some point in the future. Instruments may be getting tuned? Yeah, and I, I think that's just going to be awesome when it happens. Whenever it happens. We don't know. We're not Captain Loop here or anything. If it happens. <laughs> we're not Captain Loop. Greg and I, we're just, we're just hired guns. We have nothing to do with the podcast. 
There's been other uh, other projects yes. in the works recently, so uh... there has. If uh, people hadn't noticed that uh, the website's going to be down at the end of the month for a brief period, and then we'll have a, a whole new review of fun stuff. So that's cool coming up. Uh, but yeah, other podcasts. Who else does podcasts? Peter, do you want to tell them about another podcast? Uh, you can always listen to Retro Encounter. Um, we are playing Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga on it now. Well, let's talk about Sweet. Yeah, it's a, yeah, right? Uh, we've come full circle. It's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed playing that game again. So good. We've got a lot of really exciting things in the works for sure. So um, yeah, definitely check it out. Nice. And then the last one, uh, let's uh, took her, take us away. What's, what's, the, what's the last podcast? Phoenix Edge podcast, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, with a uh, hat and Eric. Yep. Good bunch uh, of guys. But uh, yeah, they're good people. Uh, Eric, no hat. There we go. Hat just grabbed some uh, some some coverage for Crosscode for us. So we'll have a video review of that coming up whenever somebody stops doing podcasts and going on vacations and well, finishes Crosscode in his review. Well, hey, John, I would have written if we haven't gone <laughs> like twenty minutes over. God, <laughs> right? Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Any rate, uh, thank you so much everyone for being on this podcast thank you everyone as always for listening to us check us out on instagram and facebook and twitter and rpgvan.com for all the coverage of all this ridiculousness that we've covered uh thanks to peter and his team of wonderful news people who give us all that coverage so good job sir yeah you do and it's there's a lot to cover so you're doing good and then of course uh watch our twitch streams yeah, I think it's everything. That's everything we do. We're busy peoples. Uh, on that note, bye. Later. Ciao. Bye.